You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, my name is Tanya Pinkins, and you are listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. It's been a while since I've done a podcast, but I am very excited to speak with my guests today. Uh, They are an arts journalist, a critic, and newly chief executive editor of Playbill, which is the magazine of the American theater. So please welcome Deep Tron. Hi, Tanya. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, Deep, I'm just a person who's always curious about ancestry. Tell me Mm -hmm. your ancestry. Oh, my goodness. That's a complicated question. Because uh, I can I can start with my grandmother who was who was married when she was twelve and had ten kids and that was just on one side and my other grandmother had nine kids so there's there's that which I guess we don't have time for for that on the podcast um, I, I guess my most immediate is my family came to America in 1990. Uh, we were Vietnam War refugees because after the war, my dad was imprisoned in a communist re-education camp for six years because he had fought during the Vietnam War with the Americans. And they that was what happened to anyone who fought with the Americans on the Vietnamese side. Um, and so we came to the, to America, not only because of, you know, the promise of America that a lot of, a lot of, uh, the immigrant literature talks about, but it was also, it was also an issue of discrimination to be the children of South Vietnamese army veterans like you were basically barred from going to college from certain jobs in society and so we I feel very lucky to be in this position that I am in now but I always think about like like what Shara Strait Strayed said like the ghost ship that didn't carry you like that alternate person who what who would she have been and like what would she have had to do if she 
didn't have this life. Right. Where did they take your family when you when they arrived here? What state did they put them in? Uh, California. Okay. So we we had already had family here because my um, my mother's side of her family, including my grandmother, they all escaped from Vietnam by boat in 1975. And so by the time we got here 15, 15 years after that, they had already settled and, you know, got a house. And so it, we were very lucky to have a support system. But so, I remember um, I, I remember growing up, like, I, I never had my own room. I was always just sleeping in the same bed with, like, my, my three older sisters. And so what is privacy when you're in an immigrant family? I'm from Chicago, and I grew up that way because my grandmother worked at the hospital and a lot of Filipino and Caribbean immigrants were working as, you know, at the hospital. And so my grandmother would bring them in. So we would have four and five people in bed as well. So that's also um, a way that I grew up. So it was, it would be always odd when I would travel with friends as I got older and they would like need to have their own room. I'd be like, why? <laughs> Look at this big bed. Actually, this is a king size bed. We, we didn't have a king size bed, but I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it, so when I yeah when I was in college and sleeping in, in the same dorm room with two other girls, I just thought, oh, and I'm I'm just it's just like home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. Uh, that's a a very cultural thing to be comfortable sharing a room or a bed with other people, and it's not everybody's culture to do that. And some people find it even just uncomfortable to get naked in front of other people when like for other people, it's like, what else are you going to do? There's no other, there's no other place to go, you know, um, which is a, a great because it's sort of what I wanted to talk to you about. My, I feel like, um, a lot of, I'm trying to be politic here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the world history right now ends up being, um, with some unknown group of people at the top who managed to keep the people below them fighting with each other, you know, let's you and him fight. I feel like that, that happens a lot, um, in the world. And, um, I want to not participate in that to my best ability when I see that happening. So I, 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 I'm going to say that I had called you, um, after you had interviewed me, um, I guess it's maybe a week or two ago, um, about a, an article that you had written for me, uh, about me in Playbill. So here's my backstory to that. Okay. I, um, cause people don't know this, so I have to tell the, our sort of backstory. Uh, I was just in a play called A Raisin in the Sun at the Public Theater. And um, I has signed a contract to a certain date. And uh, as part of their, that contract, there was an extension of a certain amount of time. And so I fully expected that I would be here till the end of the extension because that's just been my experience in almost 50 years in the theater. In pretty much anything I've ever done, the extension has been used. So it was a, an assumption that I made but uh, based on experience. Um, also, one of the marketing things that it's been my experience that uh, theaters do is they will only announce 
maybe the first week of a run, even though they contractually have to pay everybody for four weeks of a run so that as soon as you open, they can announce an extension. Um, <laughs> for us as actors, it isn't an extension because you've got to pay us anyway. That's the contract. You're going to you're going to stay open because you want to try to recoup the money that you have to pay out. But it gives um, ticket buyers a sense of like, oh, this must be a hot ticket. There's an extension. So I, I think that that is one way in which um, there's there's this kind of two worlds that exist the world of the public and the world of the the people who are are making the thing like the story that they're told versus the story that we know to be true and and certainly both of them are true <laughs> in in a, in a certain sense both of them are true and i'm i'm very fascinated always by the fact that in a sense every single human being is living in a different truthful real world that may be completely at odds with the person standing next to them's truthful real world. And that just fascinates me. And I feel like we, the world would benefit if we all could realize that our world is only ours and other people have another world that is as valid as ours. So um, our show was, uh, it was announced before that extension that we were going to close. <clears throat> And uh, I was like, oh, we must have gotten a bad review in the New York Times. And I, I hadn't read any reviews because I knew we were doing a production that was going to polarize people. And so on the day that I found out that we were going to close, I read the Times review. And I, I really like and respect Jesse Green as a writer. But in reading the review, my little monkey mind just couldn't couldn't make peace with the, the sort of, to my mind, in my world, factual um, discrepancies. I was like, what? wait, wait, you know, so many people have told me they disliked the play, but not for the reasons that you say they, that you disliked the play. What did you see? Because I, I don't even know where that could be. And so I was, I felt compelled to write about it. And um, there was a piece in Playbill by Logan something. Um, and I, I read that that piece and I was like, oh, OK, so, you know, I'm getting thrown under the bus here. And uh, and I was like, OK, so when I got the message about interviewing with you, I was like, OK, uh, I know what the publication is. I, 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 I was, um, you know, reserved about um about doing the interview, but going, the story is not going to be favorable to me. Nevertheless, I'm willing to participate, even though I'm running that risk. And so you did write a favorable um, uh, uh, article, but I was um, unhappy about the framing. And I, it, my little monkey mind went round and round about that. And I, you know, did a little video about it. And then I thought, whoa. Am I getting into let's you and him fight? She's a woman of color. I'm a woman of color. I don't want to just fight with a woman of color. Let me call her up and ask her why. And and I wanted to have that conversation publicly because I feel like it is an opportunity um, for the world to see how people can work things out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and so that, that was really why I wanted to, to, to speak with you. So can you tell me about, like, what is your... 
mission, job? What do you have to do as a as a chief executive editor for Playbill? Yeah, um, as editor in chief, it's it's been a little bit more than a month since I've stepped into the role, and I will be very frank and tell you, it wasn't a role I sought out. They sought me out to do this, and I was very hesitant initially to take this job because you know there's a lot of responsibility. I manage a team of eleven, and and the articles we write, everyone sees them in the theater industry. And it was also very challenging for me to think about how I would marry the writer that I am as a as an individual to a to a brand because and for every and for anyone who doesn't know my work or who doesn't follow me on Twitter, like I've I think my boss called me a provocateur. Mm. Because I speak very frankly about the issues I notice in the industry. Because I did not grow up doing theater. I've never starred in a play. I, I, I come at it as a theater fan, but also as someone who is very aware that people like me do, are not represented. But people like me do love musicals and do love storytelling. And so we are a demographic who can get who can spend money on theater tickets so why are we not represented on the stages in any real authentic way outside of you know miss saigon so and so i've always been very frank about the issues around diversity the issues around pay inequity and the issues around workplace safety within the theater and I guess that's what's led me to being scouted for this job. But it's for me, I'm still trying to figure out like how I can take this publication, which has been seen as being promotional for the theater. And how can I marry that with my own advocacy tendencies? Mm. How's that going? We're, we're still working on it. Okay. <laughs> I would imagine that's going to be an ongoing uh, process, and it's going to have its ups and downs. I mean, I would imagine, you know, people don't willingly change their ways, so you're going I, I, to you're gonna have to struggle in that. And to me, that's, I don't look at struggle as a bad thing. I feel like so many times now I see on different social medias, you know, if people don't make you feel good, cut them out of your life. And I'm like, what? If people say something bad about someone you know, cut them out of your life. I'm like, what? Like, everybody does bad things. <laughs> like, at some point, we all do. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I, and, and I think as, you know, a person of color coming into a position of power within the industry, and just a side note, I still have a lot of trouble thinking of myself in that way, but ah. I... And I'm still having trouble accepting it because I don't know. I don't know. I cannot see the effects of what it is that I'm doing because when you get to the, into this position, everyone, I, I get the sense that everyone just talks about you and no one really talks to you because they think like you're untouchable or, mm. or they think they can like punch you now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I I can totally see that, and and why I reached out to you is because I wanted to have a conversation with you. I did not want to do those things. So I did. I hear you say you don't see yourself as a person of color. No, no, I do. I do. Oh, okay. I mean, as a person of color with with power. 
Right, 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 right. Because that's so rare to have. And there's very few models on how to wield that when you have a marginalized identity. Because I think for us, it's different. Because there are, so, there are more things you have to be careful about. Oh, oh, and I just wanted to add one more thing. And so what I wrote about you and about Raisin in, in the Sun was me trying to figure out how I can write about these issues in Playbill without it being an incendiary headline of, you know, Tanya Pinkins writes an open letter to Jesse Green, which I will also say many of our readers were very supportive <laughs> of you. And, but I wanted to see if we can, if we had the capacity to go deeper and if we had the capacity to ask the thorny questions about, um, about being blacklisted in the industry and what and how women are blacklisted in the industry and about and about reinterpreting classics and who is quote unquote allowed to do that and and about the fraught relationships between critics and the people they cover and so I thought okay I am three weeks into this job why not just try this out and see if I get in trouble for this and did you get in trouble for it at your job? No. And the article was received in what way for you as your first piece that you wrote? Oh, it was received really positively. And in, and it was received as, as like a piece of thoughtful journalism that, judging from the Facebook comments, that helped people see A Raisin in the Sun in a new way, which is what I wanted it to be. Okay. And so now, yeah. I got to go look at the Facebook comments now, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> Tell <yeah>. me more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And, and I think, cause I'm always telling my writers, you're allowed to ask people the questions, the uncomfortable questions, and they can choose whether or not to answer. And, and then it's also up to you and how to frame it um, responsibly. And I'm hoping as someone who has that kind of, um, I hope I have that sensitivity or I hope I can continue to learn and, and to talk, speak with artists like you and other advocates in the field on how to really cover these subjects that, that people are thinking about and speaking more frankly about and how to do it fairly and how to do it in a way that isn't just going to, you know, like lead to abuse being thrown at everyone from strangers on the internet. It's yeah. always something I'm thinking about right now. Absolutely. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, um, you mentioned framing. So, for me, I, I didn't like the framing. Mm-hmm. And I called you up to ask you about the framing. Um, so, you tell me about the framing and why you framed it that way. Yeah. I mean, writing an article for me, it's a, it's, it's a, an art, not a science. And so for me, when I'm writing, I'm always thinking, if I, if I was reading this as, as a, a, a casual fan, like what would be the thing that grabs me and keeps me reading? Because these days, journalists aren't just, you know, competing with entertainment. I mean, journalists and theater artists, you know, you're not just competing with film and television, you're competing with social media and TikTok and people's very small attention spans. And so I'm trying to create an article that will have people reading from one section to the next. And so I went through the transcript and I was taking notes as we were talking. And I just, the things that stood out to me was what I chose to include in the article. And the things that interested me the most was what I chose to open the article with. And what that was in, 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 my, in my mind was this notion that you know, everyone was celebrating how you were coming back to New York theater finally. But you told me that you had essentially been blacklisted from New York theater for the, since 2017. And so I thought, let's just get this truth out there. Not a lot of people will know that. And then we can go deeper into the play that she is starring in and why she chose to star in this play versus the standard Tanya Pinkins is doing Raisin in the Sun and she is so happy to be back in New York. I feel like I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not interested in um, false positivity. I'm with you. So would it be safe or fair to say that as a journalist, you do sort of follow that cliche that I've heard of, if it bleeds, it leads? Kind of. And in, in this, and then not like someone is dying or, or, you know, being, being dragged, but what, yes, what is the most interesting part of this story? And when I was, when I was going through the transcript, I, I came across the quote that you that you had said about what you expect in the rehearsal room. And so I thought, oh, this is so amazing. And I don't want it to be in the bottom because then I'll just get lost if no one ever gets there. And so, and I thought, okay, maybe I could tie this in with the fact that she was blacklisted. Why was she blacklisted? Because she is she is vocal. And this was this is an example of, and that quote was an example of you being vocal about what your limits are. Great. I love this. I'm so grateful to be having this conversation with you. Um, so in, in general, I don't read any interviews that I do because the few times that I have, I find that like I may have spent an hour or two or three hours with someone and what is left of that is like a sentence or um, whatever. It, it, I am never satisfied 
with the way in which I'm quoted. It doesn't ever feel like the amount of time and energy that I put into that that interview. Um, so that's just a, a kind of experience I have. I go, you've done the interview. It's now out of your hands, and you let it be. You let yourself be perceived in the world any way you're going to be perceived. This is this is part of the job description. And you know who you are, and those people closest to you know who you are, and you know let people who read things build up whatever they want of you. That's my my normal way that I do things. Um, I think because I had just written this essay, and because of the previous uh, Playbill article, and that I you know sort of uh, was a little what is the word a little tense about going into the interview with you. I was like, no, actually it wasn't that. People kept writing me and going, great piece in Playbill. Congratulations on the great piece in Playbill. <laughs> and I was like, well, let me go read the great piece in Playbill. And from the minute it opened up, I was like, what? What? And so for people who don't know, uh, it opens with, um, it says something like, I don't remember it specifically. You'll have to read it to find out. The Tanya Pinkins doesn't stay in rooms where there's bullshit going on. And I was just, I was like horrified. Did I say that? I, I don't, I don't, I don't use that word. I, when do I, when I use that word? And so my monkey mind was just like, I was just, I was just horrified. So for me, I, I, I had to force myself to get through the whole article. And I was like, it's a really nice article. She was very kind to me. But that beginning, that beginning for me, I felt like that makes me sound, um, like an inarticulate N-word. That was the feeling for me. And so what I'm going to say is that as a black woman, um, oftentimes I'm in rooms and it feels like the people in there are trying to get a rise out of me. They want me to start telling them off or saying something like cursing them. And it has been my, uh, you know, like my mission and principle to never ever let any of them hear me raise my voice or be reduced to swear words because uh, I feel that to do so vindicates them in their ability to dismiss me and go, oh, you see, I knew she was that. So um, I was carrying with it a, a whole historical story about how I feel I am perceived. Um, or, or that's just black people are perceived, and that there's always uh, looking for what, 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 what excuse can I can I use to dismiss this person? Um, so that's what I was bringing to it. And then as I sat with it, and you know, like you know, had to work it all out with my feeling, I was like, but you know what? Deep's from a different culture from me. It could be that in her in her mind or the way she looks at the world that just made me sound really cool and badass and she thought that's going to bring people in and I thought so let me not assume the worst about her and let me reach out to her and find out so that I can understand and that's how we got to this <laughs> conversation <laughs> uh, can I ask you something though sure uh, so that initial news article that Playbill ran about about your medium post, like why did you feel it was throwing you under the bus? Um, there was a, a quality of this sort of um, innuendo. Oh, well, she alleges that this was that, and um, she thinks that she knows what Lorraine Hansberry is saying. And I was like, okay, 
that that was that that, that was why I'm you know. Um, I know that, you know, for someone who went to law school, you're never supposed to infer, but I do infer all the time. So, um, <laughs> like one of my, um, lobbyist friends says, whenever I see anything in print, I always go, who placed this and what is their point? And so I think the inferences I was making is that Playbill is the, um, the bastion of American theater. It, 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 it is there to uphold American theater to audiences all across the world and that in my um, attacking a critic, especially a black woman attacking a critic, I had violated the hierarchy. Like if I could violate a critic and get away with it, then anyone could violate a critic and get away with it. And what would that mean for the world if critics didn't hold the power to say what shows lived and died? <sighs> well, then it, it, it would definitely not be a capitalistic system, which would be helpful. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh. Right. So I'm looking at it from, from capitalism's point of view. We cannot have a- a- artists... Uh, destroying the people that we have said, you know, set the trends and the taste. We can't uh, not allow that, and we must nip that in the bud. So that was the point of view that I was bringing to reading it. And, and got it, got it. Because I, I had also read the article before it had gone live, and I we had me and Logan Colwell Block, my my writer, my edit, my news editor. He we we, we were discussing how we're going to frame this, and and we had just settled on, you know, concentrating on what it is that you wrote and not trying to put our own interpretation of what you wrote onto it. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure the word, the word alleges me. <laughs> it, it see, it seems like you're make it, it, it reads like you're making it up, <laughs> but I do not know a better word for, she said something and we cannot verify that what she said is true, but right, we cannot right, tell right. you it is true because that would be irresponsible journalistically. Right, right. Hi, this is Tanya Pinkins and you're listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. That was part one of my conversation with Chief Executive Editor of Playbill, Detron. Return shortly for part two of our conversation about cultural context and the way artists and journalists perceive and project each other into the world. Thanks for listening to You Can't Say That, the show where you can. I'm Tanya Pinkins, and You Can't Say That is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, with music by Kat Dale. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast highly wherever you stream. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
lucylandslots.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 